knocked down time and again, hitting the floor, getting up and falling down, and this is making me sore. Have you ever had a test that kept testing you more? Have you ever had a trial that you just didn't endure? Believe me when I tell you that I wanted to give up. Forget fighting the fight. I said, I'm getting out to live it up. Restless on the canvas with no desire to get up. I wanted to lift my praise, but life told me to shut up. I cried out to my God, Abba Father, what is up? I'm feeling all alone. Am I standing on the rock? I keep banging on your doors. Are you hearing me knock? Am I suffering this much because I'm pleasing you not? Did I take the wrong turn, therefore missed out on your plans? Am I not chosen by you, therefore I'm just a fallen man? Will your loving hand save me from this sinking sand? My God, how could I promise to walk with you when I'm not able to stand? There's been times in life where the greatest disappointments, the greatest discouragements that I faced in life have been because I feel God has failed my expectations. Times where God did something totally different than what I expected him to do in the midst of me serving him as best as I know how. So today as we look at the story of John the Baptist, I want you to just focus in on his life, his trial, his struggle, and what it teaches us about understanding our relationship with God and understanding where our expectations need to be how we handle those expectations. So we're going to go to Matthew chapter 11. And it reads this way, beginning in verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who has come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk, and lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. And the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowd concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you're willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces, calling to their playmates, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. And the Son of God, the Son of Man, came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified 
by her deeds. Let's pray. Lord, your word that we're reading today, we don't want to just read it. We want to hear it and understand it. Reveal your word to us today. Reveal this lifeline. and Help us to understand, God, uh, the text that is before us. Thank you for an anointing to focus in, to receive your word, to hear it and to declare it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So back in the days, old saints would say things like, how are you doing? And they would say things like, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Anybody ever remember people saying that? It's like, really? Wow, you're too blessed to be stressed? Amazing, because I get stressed. Other saints would say things like, I'm going from glory to glory. And the idea is when they say, how are you doing? I'm going from glory to glory. They're saying, you know what? I see that I am growing in the Lord. I'm being fruitful, and I'm going from glory to glory. But there could be a misconception in that. The idea that if we're going from glory to glory, that we're basically not having any trouble or trials or storms or suffering or grief. And nothing could be further from the truth. Jesus said it very plainly to his disciples. In this world, you will have trouble. How many of y'all love trouble? Nobody. Don't raise your hand. We'll pray for you if you do. Nobody likes trouble. Well, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be trials. They're going to treat you like they treated me. But take courage. I've overcome the world. What I love about that scripture is that Jesus is still on mission, and he's speaking of that which he will do. He's going to overcome. He's an overcoming and overcomer, and he will overcome. And he wants us to rest in that promise, but he also wants us to make the same declarations. I'm an overcomer today. I will face trials tomorrow, and I will overcome then. And one day I'll overcome completely as I stand before him face to face. So Jesus wants us to make these declarations of faith and rest in his person. But in the midst of the victory, there will be battles. Paul's gospel, all of Paul's gospel is basically this. There is no resurrection if there is no death. Right? In order for something to raise to new life, something has to die. And the Christian walk is completely filled with moments that bring death to us so that we can have new life. Moments where there are disappointments, discouragement, expectations that fail, that are planned by God to lead us from glory to glory. John's story is that very story. So when we look at John the Baptist, what an incredible man of God. Now in context, you have Jesus who is hanging out with his 12 disciples who are a bunch of misfits. You got a tax collector who's robbing the people of God. You got Judas who's stealing from the offering. You got, math, uh, you got, you got uh, Simon the Zealot who's ready to go to war in a very violent way. You got John and James who think that they're all that in a bag of chips and they have the nerve to ask Jesus if they can sit on the right and on the left to his kingdom. And they all were just, you know, pretty much full of themselves. I know you never met Christians like that. But here they are, you know, and Jesus looks at them in all their brokenness, and he says, you know what, I still love you, I still chose you, and I'm going to send you out. And he sends them out with the power of heaven, the authority of Almighty God, to perform the same miracles that Jesus did. And as they leave, here comes John's disciples. And they go to Jesus, and they ask Jesus this very serious question for John. Jesus, John wants to know, are you the one that we're supposed to be waiting for? Are you the one? 
And why is, he, is John asking that question? At this time, John is in prison. If you don't know, John's life is about to be taken from him. He is going to be beheaded because he has been faithful to God. And he is waiting in prison, oh, for maybe something to change. I don't know about you, but if my head is about to be on a platter, a change would be something wonderful. If I'm in prison and I don't understand why, if I'm doing the will of God and I'm waiting for this almighty God to do an incredible work, you know, I'm waiting for something to happen. But John is asking the question because of many reasons. Number one, because he's discouraged. Why? Because his expectations of Jesus' as Messiah has not been fulfilled. He expected that Jesus would do several things. Number one, political cleansing. A Jesus that would take over Jerusalem and make sure that the temple and all of the orders of Israel was taken care of. A Jesus that would overthrow Rome and the kingdom of Rome. And a Jesus that was going to lay down the smackdown for heaven. And when Jesus came, he lived life so differently from his expectations. Jesus was hanging out with sinners, forgiving them, cleansing them taking care of what appeared to be very lowly when there were big things that everybody was waiting for the Messiah to do. Now, in the midst of this, John is struggling with his doubt. Because of that, and because God had called them to a very difficult life. Dressed in camel's hair, eating crickets, living in a van down by the river, and very, very, very much by the Jordan River, preaching one message, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Religious enemies, secular enemies, living a very disciplined life. And then he sees Jesus, who's eating, who's drinking, who's hanging out with sinners, and he doesn't understand what's going on. His expectations are not met. So Jesus sends back the disciples of John, and he says to them, Tell John what you see. The blind can see. The deaf can hear. The lame can walk. And blessed are those who are not offended at me. You know what Jesus was basically saying is this. This is the ministry that God has called me to do. And John, I'm going to continue to do this, even if it doesn't meet your expectations. You will be blessed if you don't get offended at my work. Because my work will remain my work. And this is the work that you've prepared the way for. <laughs> Considering all that reality, this portion of Scripture, Jesus not only addresses John that way, but he also talks about the kind of man that John was. He says, now, when you went out to the desert, what kind of man did you go see in the desert? Did you go see a reed that was tossed by the wind? No, you saw a man who was solid. In other words, he was a man with conviction. He didn't turn to the right or to the left. He preached the message that God gave him to preach. Number two, was he seeking promotion? No, he wasn't in king's palaces. He was out there doing the work of the kingdom. Number three, he was a man who heard the message of God and declared it, even though people received it or not received it. He just declared the message of God. Number four, he was the one that was prophesied about that would come to prepare the way for me. He is the one. And five, he is the last of the old order of prophets. Until John, 
from the beginning to John the Baptist, there were prophets who were prophesying of the time where Jesus would come. John would be the last prophet of that order that would declare that message. And Jesus is saying he is the usher to the very presence of God. He is the Elijah that you're waiting for. That's the man of God that God has chosen. And like no other, John the Baptist had an incredible calling in his life, an incredible experience from his mother's womb. The Bible says that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's the man of God struggling with his doubt. Jesus bringing a little bit of a rebuke to his life and at the same time commending him. Wow. Listen, John, what a man of God. What a solid man. What a man of conviction. And then Jesus says, but what am I going to say about this culture? How can I speak into this culture? It's like children who don't listen. We play the dirge so that they can mourn, and they don't listen. They don't mourn. We played the flute so that they can celebrate, and they don't celebrate. And he says, because when John came, he preached the message of repentance. But they said, oh, he's demon-possessed, and that's why he's able to live the way that he lives. And when I came, they say, oh, well, he's just a drunkard and a sinner. And that's why he lives the way that he lives. And then he makes this statement. But wisdom is proven by his deeds. And what Jesus means by that is, say, is basically this. He means this. But the fruit of our ministry proves the truth of who we belong to. What's the fruit of our ministry? People's lives are changed. People's lives are transformed. And people are, are living a life that's bearing fruit for me. Now, as we look at that text, what does that text tell us about God and our expectations? Number one, there will be times when we expect God to do something that he doesn't will to do. There will be times in your life as a follower of Jesus that you will expect God to do something. It seems clear in his word that that is exactly what God wants to do. You feel led to pray a certain way because you believe God has told you to pray that way because you believe God wants to do something and you will find that God's will was not to do what your expectations were. I remember at one point in my life being in school ministry, Southeastern University, the Lord called me to go preach for an entire summer. He says, just trust me with your business. You know, just go do what I called you to do. And I made a covenant with God. I said, okay, God. I'm going to go do your ministry, but you got to take care of me. He says, I always do. You know, I, I knew that he did, but, I, but then I gave him specifics. This is how you got to take care of me. <laughs> These are the things. I remember thinking this. I know this, thinks, this is absurd, but I'm just partnering with you. You thought this way too. I remember thinking, these things must be in order when I come back. And I'm afraid that if I leave, that these things will not be in order. The Lord said, go and do my work. And I got to tell you, when I came back, everything was disorderly. Nothing was like I wanted it to be. I experienced one of the hardest seasons of my entire life. And I went to do God's will exactly as he told me to. Was I in sin? No. Did I fall short? No. But you know what? Sometimes in life, our expectations don't line up to God's will, and God's will is greater than our expectations, and God is worthy of our praise anyway. There are going to be times in life where our expectations, God will not do what we expect him to do. Number two, 
There will be times when our circumstances will appear to be absent of God's intervention. There will be times, crises that we will go through, that we will feel like, God, where are you? John the Baptist ministered so faithfully to God in prison, not knowing what was going to happen, waiting for the moment where his ministry would be over, right? Or delivered, something. But there he was. The Bible is full of examples of men and women of God who found themselves in a place of great despair because they felt like God was not going to intervene on their behalf or that God wasn't present. David said in Psalm 13, Where are you, O Lord? Are you going to forget me forever? Will you allow sorrow to fill my heart and my mind to be troubled all the days of my life? Look on me and answer, lest I sleep the sleep of death and the enemy rejoices over me. But I trust in your unfailing love. There are going to be times in life as we follow Jesus where it will seem like God is not there. And it has nothing to do with your faithfulness. It has nothing to do with whether you're trying to live right. It's just a season in life where it seems like God's presence is not tangible. But at that moment, you need to understand this. God is not only with you, he's suffering with you. God is not only there, but he's bearing your burden with you. I think of uh, the life of John the Baptist, and I think what an utter failure in the eyes of the world. Living for God sacrificially to end up with your head on a platter. And there are times where it seems like in this world, things that we go through that we may feel like, man, this looks like a total failure. This seems like, a, like God, this, I don't see how this is going to bring the glory to you. I really don't. But God is in control. I read this story in the book, The Voice of a Martyr, of a young lady. that God began to tell her in a very, very unique way. This was a personal word for her. I don't want you to go home and practice this. Okay? But she said that she felt the Lord tell her, I want you to begin to eat food that's decomposing and that's rotting. And so she began to eat food that was decomposing and living a fasted lifestyle. And in the process of that, uh, throughout the time she lived in communist China, during the time of communist China, uh, she, uh, and, and persecution, where persecution was big, and uh, she, she was imprisoned because of her faith in Jesus. And she was put in this cell where there was another woman there who was dying because of malnutrition and because she, her body was basically decomposing in front of her. And the Lord said, for this reason have I called you to eat the way that I've called you to eat. You're going to receive a certain portion of food. I want you to eat the food that's rotted, and I want you to give her good food. And I want you to nourish her back to health. When you nourish her back to health, I want you to preach the good news to her. And the reason why we know that story is because that lady was nourished to health, and she received the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the other one who obeyed passed away in the eyes of the world of failure. Can you imagine the Father in heaven? Can you imagine how heaven rejoiced over another soul who entered into the kingdom of heaven? Some of your darkest hours are going to be your greatest testimonies that God will use to bring other people through their trials. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 
with the comfort that I receive, I comfort you. In other words, where I've been, I'm comforting you from a place I've been. I've been in that dark place. And with the comfort I receive, I comfort you. God's going to do great things in that place where you feel like God is not present. Third, there will be times that you will be so challenged in this journey that you will question God. There will be times where you will have your doubts. Times where you're going to be perplexed. God is not offended at your doubts. God is not offended of, of the things that you are thinking. But when the doubt comes, you have a decision to make. Either I'm going to run away from God or I'm going to run into God. I want you to notice that John had doubt. He brought his doubt to Jesus through his disciples. Jesus brought a word for John to encourage him and to correct him. He says, blessed are those who are not offended at me. But then he turned to the crowd and he said, now that's, now that's my boy. You see how solid of a prophet he was? You see how obedient he was? Why? Because even though John had doubt, he did the right thing. He took his doubt to Jesus. I don't know what you're struggling with right now. I don't know where you're at today, but your doubt doesn't have to separate you from God. You can make a decision. Instead of running away from God with your doubt, you can run to God with your doubts. Anybody with me today? And as you run toward God with your doubts, you'll find the Lord is pleased with you. There were, in, in my walk, there were so many crippling doubts that I held with such dysfunction because I felt like my doubt would offend God. I can't tell God how angry I am because that would offend him. I shouldn't be angry. I can't tell God how that person offended me. How can I say that when I should forgive? I can't tell God my struggle with pornography and how strong this addiction is. How could I be free? I can't tell. And all these things kept creating a wall between me and God. And all I had to do was say, God, I'm giving this to you because I'm a hot mess without you. I need your help. I need you to bring freedom into my life. In this journey, in the midst of this life, there's going to be times as you serve the Lord and follow him obediently where you're going to go through some things that are just going to lead you to doubt, but your doubt doesn't have to separate you from God. Now I'm going to close with this. Ultimately, we have to make a choice in life. And that choice is in your bulletin. Brother Lee um, shared this with me last week. He said, you know, I believe that we have to make a choice in life. We have to choose I or the great I am? What will we choose? I or the great I am? In life, I have to make a decision. Am I A, going to hold on to my expectations? Or am I going to hold on to Jesus? If you hold on to Jesus, if you hold on to Jesus, let me tell you this. Life is going to have its ups and downs. Life is going to have its troubles. Life is going to have its trials. Life is going to have its storms. But you will have your peace. You will have your contentment. And you will have your victory. Because your life will not be determined by circumstances, but determined by a person who never changes and who's always there with you. But if you hold on to your expectations, if you hold on to your expectations, you're going to be offended. 
who will we choose today? Would you stand with me? Well, pastor, are you trying to tell us that we're supposed to have no expectations for life? Are we not supposed to dream big and believe that, you, that God's going to do mighty things and heal and deliver and prosper? No, I believe strongly that we're supposed to stand and believe on every one of the promises of God. I believe that all of those are for us. But I also believe that there are times where God doesn't meet our expectations. And when that happens, we need to be holding on to Jesus. Because he's going to take us through. He's going to carry us through. Philippians chapter 1 verse, in, verse 6. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. He who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. I want you to hear that today. Sam, the God who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Brian, God who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Sean, God who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. Gilberts, God who begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. You may be in the mid- middle of a storm. You may be in the middle of a crisis. God may not be tangible right now to you, but he's bearing with you and he's carrying you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We trust you. We hold on to you instead of our expectations. We hold on to you. And Lord, we thank you that these trials are not meant to break us, the storm's not meant to break us, but to lead us from glory to glory, glory, to deeper dependence in you. Lord, I thank you today for that. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed at this time, Maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor, that's me. I've lived my life offended at God because of failed expectations. I expected God to do something. I expected God to heal. I expected God to come through. Here I am. Today, I want to make the decision by faith And it's taken all my strength to do it. To say, I'm going to hold on to Jesus instead of holding on to my expectations. I have to do it. If not, this is going to take my joy. It's going to embitter the people around me. I'm not going to be free. I don't want to live this way. I want to hold on to Jesus instead of my expectations right where you're at. I want to call you right now. Would you raise your hand right where you're at? Right where you're at. I hold on to Jesus instead of my expectations. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, for all of my brothers and sisters that I identify with today. I thank you that today as we raise our hands, we say, God, we surrender to you. Teach us to hold on to you, Jesus. Life has many turns. Life has many pains and many troubles, but one day we're going to be with you, and the Lamb at the center is going to wipe away the tears from our eyes. There will be no more tears, no more joy. One day we'll live eternally with you. But on this side of eternity, there are trials beyond our imagination. 
but we overcome because you overcame. And today, God, we raise our hands declaring, teach us, Lord, to hold on to you and not to hold on to expectations, to hold on to you, to trust you, so that if you, our expectations, if, if you do just as we expect, glory to God. But if you don't, glory to God, because you're worthy of the praise. Lord, we turn today and give you our expectations. In Jesus' name. One more altar call today and bear with me. I have a hard time wording this. I hope that this makes sense. But as I was preparing this, I feel like there are many of us who have been in this place of crippling doubt. You know, God didn't meet our expectation. And somewhere along the line, because God didn't meet our expectation, we received this, this lie from the enemy. And that's, this is this lie. You didn't receive what you prayed for because you're not good enough for God. You didn't receive what you pray for because you're not worthy to come to God with those things. Because God doesn't listen to your prayers. And that has arrested you to a point that you have been hindered in making declarations of faith. Some of you have kept yourself from declaring life because of wounds of felt expectations. And God is saying, I don't want you to live like that anymore. I don't want you to live broken like that. Trust me. Trust me that if I don't meet your expectations, it's for your good. That if I operate and work, it's for your good. That I have good intentions for you. The Lord is saying, I want to heal you. I don't want you to receive those lies that the enemy has spoken. And you're saying, you know what? I got to release those today. Before it ruins me and those that I love, I got to release those lies today. That's you. Would you come to the altar right now? Let's pray. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. But you're saying, I'm bringing to Jesus that crippling doubt. I'd like to welcome you to come to the altar. We love to pray with you. So you know what? I'm bringing to Jesus my crippling doubt that's keeping me from walking by faith. I, I know it's tough. I know what it is to be broken in that area. I'm standing with you, brother. I'm standing with you, sister. Let's pray. If the altar workers can come up, let's pray. And let me bless you, church. May your life be a life defined by holding on to Jesus. In the midst of your storm, the midst of the pain or whatever it is that you go through, may you be able to declare, you know what, I'm holding on to Jesus. He is my peace. He is my joy. He is my all. I bless you. May God strengthen you and keep you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.